Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we're busy with a series <coughs> called Run the Race. We kicked off last week. And a just quick recap on last week. This, the, the, the teachings is on SoundCloud. And uh, last week we looked at qualified to run, and that is uh, the departure point. If you don't understand how and why you've been qualified, then uh, what is the point? Then we can easily become distracted with a bunch of different things, uh, falling into legalism, works, and whatnot. So understanding firstly, we have been qualified to run this race. And Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, yes, I alone blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. And there's various... Uh, um, declarations of this. David writes about this in Psalm 102. Um, then the, the writer of Hebrews writes this in, in chapter 10. And there's the, all of these declarations of what was to come, declarations of what has come. And uh, one, one thing that we need to remind in light of this, and this is super important for, for us as, as children of God, to come to believe this, understand this, because if we don't come to believe this, this will affect our relationship with God. If we don't come to believe this, this will affect how we're ministering to people as well. And this truth that I will blot out your sins and I will never think of them again. The question is this, how often are you thinking of your sin? Pondering on it. Rehearsing like, oh, I was so stupid for doing that. Like, Why did I do this? Like, I wonder if God is going to forgive me. Like, you, you, You're thinking of this continually and you're mauling over it over and over and you're so sin conscious that you can't experience the freedom that Christ came to bring you because you haven't come to believe the reality that God is not holding your sin against you. And this is a truth that shook my life and this is a truth that I cannot unlearn anymore because I've come to make this part of my being, part of my life. And the amazing thing with this is that it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what mistake I make. I pick myself off of that. I shake it off and I move forward. And I continue running the race of life. Because that's one of the, the, the problems with legalism and religion. It's, it gets stuck on the problem so much so that we forget about what is going on around us. And we, 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 we stop focusing on the blessing that I can be even while I did something silly. You, you guys won't believe this because... Um, I always look and appear so early on Sundays here at the pulpit. But oftentimes when, uh, when, when coming to church, uh, whether the night before or the morning of, like, there's just many flesh opportunities. Like, you just become frustrated, become annoyed. And if I focused on my works, my holiness, and how good a person I am, and thinking because of that I can minister the Word of God, I would just stand here feeling so depressed and condemned that I wouldn't be able to say a word. But I don't focus on that. I'm not justifying those things, but I don't become distracted by my mistakes and the things that I'm uh, doing wrong. If you think about rugby, for example, everyone of you, uh, by the looks on your faces, you're quite tired. You watched the rugby last night. Now I'm just joking. Uh, not all of you. I'm just most of you. Um, the, the, the thing with a rugby match, for example, uh, any sports, if someone makes a mistake... The degree to which they can move on from that mistake or not affects their whole game. Right? You've seen this. Valier Leroux, for example. If he makes a mistake, man, like, he's gone. Just take him off of the field. He's not going to accomplish anything more. 
Um, and this is the same thing for us. And we're talking about running our race. So if we become distracted by the mistakes we're making, we, 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 we're trying to fix it by, in and of ourselves, we just become ineffective in actually running the race that God has set before us. So uh, that was last week we talked about this. This morning we're looking at one race that will be recorded. One race that will be recorded. And there's a cool um, poem that I, that I don't have here this morning. Maybe I'll uh, just also post it on the link tree um, link by C.T. Studd. And he's talking about one life. And one life will be recorded and nothing else matters really. And that's the essence of the poem. And uh, it's really communicated and uh, shared beautifully. And uh, so I'll post that to the, the Linktree link and you guys can go check that out. But ultimately we need to understand with this, this race and life that we've been qualified into and qualified for, we need to understand there's only one race that will be recorded. Who here at some point in the Christian walk thought that receiving Jesus was the end goal? I've been there. Some of these things uh, might still be applicable to your life, but oftentimes we think that, cool, I've received Christ, and that's the end goal. Then it's finished. Then it's like, okay, cool, now we're just waiting. Like, when's he coming back? Like, when's he coming back? We had thought at some point that Christianity is all about what God did for me and the amazing plans he has for me. So, so ultimately, God did do something for you. Ultimately, God has amazing plans for you. But the focus oftentimes is just a little bit off. And you know the saying where it says, if you're one degree off right now, in 100 kilometers, one degree is going to make a big difference. And so we're going to look at, look at that a little bit more this morning as well. And then we at some point in life was praying to God about revealing His will to you. Some of us are probably still there, praying to God, reveal your will to me. That's why we're in church. Because in church we're learning about the word, and about the message of Christ, and that is the will of God. So if you come to know the message of Christ, you come to know the will of God. And so if you come to know that, you don't need to pray about it anymore. I know it's super profound. Some of you are maybe going to miss it, like it's a little bit high grade. Um, and then similarly, you at some point in the life were seeking God about His purpose for your life. So it's similar, His will and then His purpose for your life. And you're like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, I'm not sure, should I take this job? Like, should I, should I maybe have a career change? Should I go and live in this country? None of those questions are wrong in and of themselves. But most of the time, they just become a distraction. We're going to look at this this morning because there's one race that will be recorded. And however, through whatever vehicle, work, work is a vehicle, through uh, whatever vehicle you use to run your race, it doesn't matter as long as you're running the race that is being recorded. Right? It's like a, um, any, any uh, if you look at Formula One, um, all of the cars, it's different makes, different brands, different drivers. They all have got their own techniques, but the, the point is to get over the finish line, right? Not an amazing illustration, but you get the point. It doesn't matter what vehicle you are in, as long as you get to the end, that is the end goal. So however you get there, um, the means to how you get there isn't as important as the motivation and actually getting there. And so uh, let's look at, well, before we go to First Timothy chapter 2, there's a saying that says, uh, ignorance is bliss. 
ignorance in the world sense, if we just took the Bible out of the equation, then ignorance could in some, some ways be, be bliss. It could be a blessing. But ignorance isn't blessed because that opposes the word of God. Isaiah 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what you don't know is not bliss. What you don't know is killing you. It's destroying you. So ignorance is not bliss. And then uh, John 8 verse 32 says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So not knowing the truth cannot lead to freedom. Again, ignorance, not knowing something is not bliss. It's not a blessing. It's actually killing you. It's destroying you. So we asked this question, uh, one of the statements, receiving Jesus was not the end goal, but the qualification to the end goal. Receiving Jesus was the qualification to run the race, a specific race, one race that will be recorded. So now that we're qualified, we need to run the race that has been set before us. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. This is talking about God's will and uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, Who desires everyone? To be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. The King James says, Who will all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So God's will is for all men on earth to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And uh, this is also recorded in, in Genesis and we'll get there in a moment. But this is again now coming back to the question of praying, God, what is your will for my life? We need to stop asking God, what is the will, your will for my life, but ask God, what is His will for the earth? Because you are part of the earth. You are part of the solution. So rather than asking God, what is, what, what is the purpose of my life and what career should I be focused on? Asking God, what is your purpose with this earth? Because if we come to understand that and we see ourselves as part of the earth, we see ourselves part of His plan of redemption in the earth. Part of uh, restoring the earth. Second Peter 3 verse 8 and 9 says, So dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts like a thousand years to the Lord, Yahweh, and a thousand years counts as one day. This means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return, as some measure lateness. But rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you, because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So again, what is God's will? It's not for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So again, if we ask this question of God, what is your will for my life? It's a flawed question. If we don't start with God, what is your will for the earth? Because we are part of the earth. Say, I am part of the earth. So you are living here on the earth and God's got a plan for the earth. He's got a plan for humanity. His will is for all men to be saved, not to come and to come to knowledge of the truth. His will is not that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So this is God's will and His greatest desire. It means salvation. Say salvation with me. Salvation. This is God's plan, His desire for the earth. Salvation from the beginning of time. Every human being to walk in oneness and shared purpose with Him. So what was the race recorded from the beginning of time? Let's go to Genesis. 
So we're talking about one race that will be recorded. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the earth, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. This was the first record of purpose and our race being shared in the Bible. This is the first record of our purpose and the race we've been called to run recorded in the Bible. Now, just pause with me because... Oftentimes we've read Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 and when we read uh, God blessed them, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply. Oftentimes we've read this in the light of um, childbearing or having children. Now there's a few problems with that concept or coming to that conclusion. Because if this is talking about God's first declaration of purpose to mankind, their calling and his will revealed to them to be fruitful, to multiply and replenish. We're going to look at those uh, three different words in a moment. But if we just limited it to this picture, uh, uh, this picture of childbearing and linking that to our purpose, what about the people who can't have children? Are they without purpose? What about the people who don't feel called to marry? Then by default, they're not going to have children. Are they without purpose? What about um, people who get married and don't want to have children? Are they then lesser, living without purpose? And ultimately, and I love this one, is what about the minors? For example, you see, is he living without purpose currently? He's not close to having children. Right, what about Simone? What about Yuvan? Are they living without purpose? Because they're not, they don't have children. They're not multiplying in accordance to childbearing. There's no baby Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is living in Isia, the Holy Spirit that's living in Simone and in Yuvan, is the same Holy Spirit living in each mature adult here. And the purpose is the same. To multiply, fill the earth, replenish it, being fruitful. And it's not childbearing. Because limiting it to that and not seeing that God's will from the beginning of time was filling the earth with His Spirit and living in mankind and having that be multiplied. The church of God in large is kind of still in second gear. Because we've missed the purpose and the will of God so much so that it's pacified a lot of us. It pacified a lot of the church. So let's look at the word multiplied. The same word comes up in Genesis 48 verse 4. And throughout the Bible, but Genesis 48 verse 4 says, And said unto me, Jacob, I put it there in just in brackets, it's talking to Jacob, or writing about Jacob, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Now again, if we, if we start in Genesis chapter 1, and we miss the picture of multiplication, if we miss the picture of being fruitful, then we're going to miss it throughout the Bible. 
You guys get what I'm saying? If your departure point is off, it's going to be off throughout. So we have to start at the beginning, realign, and be like, okay, cool. I'm heading in this direction. This is my angle. And so we start off with understanding. And this is another interesting thing when I had an engagement with someone about this passage of Scripture. And they were stuck on the fact that this is having children and um, it can't be uh, discipleship. It can't be salvation. And one of the questions that I also came to in seeking to understand is, if God's will, which we've established now, if God's will is for will, the world to be saved, to come to knowledge of the truth, if God's will is for none to perish and all to come to repentance, don't you think that it would have been recorded from the beginning of time? Why, why only start recording it here at the end? That doesn't make sense. If this is his desire, his will, if this is what motivated him, it would be echoed from the beginning of time all through to the end of time. Men's salvation. God's spirit in man. God's spirit through man. And so again, if we, if we start off with the right departure, we come to Genesis 48, talking to Jacob, and it's echoed through generations. Behold, I'll make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I'll make of thee a multitude of people, and I'll give this land to thy seed, this highlight seed, we can uh, elaborate on that for a moment, after thee for an everlasting possession. Now, everlasting possession, if we read this now in context again, what things in this earth is everlasting? The houses we're living in, for example, the nice cars we're driving, the Rugby World Cup titles, it's everlasting. Those are the things that are important, right? Sarcasm, I know I do it very well. Um, that was sarcasm, all of that. Everlasting possession, singular. Not everlasting possessions. There's not such a thing. There's an everlasting possession. And it's linked to the seed. Not seed as many, but one. Christ was the firstborn. That is the seed. That is the everlasting possession. That again, that God desires for every man and woman on the earth to receive. The seed of life, which brings about an everlasting possession. That cannot be taken away from you. That cannot be altered. That cannot be changed. It doesn't matter. Wars can come. Uh, pestilence. Without. Go without food. Be naked. All of these things. Like without clothing. You, Paul talks about this. Romans is full of it. Romans chapter 8. He writes about it all. But. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Why? Because it's my everlasting possession. There's many things, Matthew chapter 6, that rust will corrupt and it will come to naught. You've come naked into this world and you'll leave naked from this earth. What one thing is needful? This is echoed throughout the Bible over and over and over and over again. But if we don't start to see it from the beginning and we try and kind of figure it out here halfway through, Depending on what we've started all from, 
and how we've built, it will di direct and determine everything else. It's like a house that is being built. If the foundation is skewed, it doesn't matter what you do at a later stage. Eventually, it's going to show in the end product. And so if we find something skewed here in the middle somewhere, just break it all down. Because what is the point of carrying on on a skewed foundation if you can start off fresh with God and allow Him to redeem the time? Oftentimes we've got this, this mindset of, let's talk about age for, for a moment. We've got this mindset of like, I'm, I'm, let's use the, the, the age 50. I'm 50 now and I've believed this for 50 years. And now if I, if I start changing this, then maybe I've got 20, 30 more good years left. And like I just can't see how it's going to make a difference. It's just going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. And it's going to create problems with my family and my, all of these things. And, and so sometimes we, we think about that because we think very bound by time. Stop limiting God by time. Stop thinking about yourself according to age. It's always going to limit you. Allow God to reveal to you who He is and what He wants to do through your life. doesn't matter where you find yourself on the age spectrum. Who said when you are this old you can do this? Or when you can't do this because you're this old? Now I'm talking about your purpose and your identity in Christ specifically. I get that there are laws in the country and so don't uh, uh, take me, quote me out of context. Don't go and drive a car if you're underage. Like, wait till you're uh, of, of age to do that. Keep to the laws of the country. So we're talking about this everlasting possession. Multiply. It's linked to that everlasting possession. It's linked to the seed through which the promise was, was coming. And then uh, replenish. Brown's uh, driver's bricks definition. Never heard of that, but uh, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, Brown Driver Briggs definition of replenish says to fill, be full, satisfied, consecrate. What does that uh, remind you of? So if we're talking about this word as God is saying, replenish the earth. So in other words, or uh, in, in, in synonyms to this, fill the earth, be, make the earth full, satisfy the earth, consecrate the earth. How do we do that? Colossians 2.10 And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. That is to be full, to be complete. How do you complete someone? Give them a spouse. <laughs> Sarcasm. No person can complete you. Stop watching movies that are giving and selling you lies. No person, no job, nothing apart from Christ can complete you. It is only Him. That was His design. He's the designer. Trust Him. He knows what is good for you. That is how we replenish the earth. We give them Christ. We fill the earth with Jesus. That is how we bring people to completion. That is how we bring people to satisfaction. Thayer defines this word, uh, replenish, as to make full, to fill up. 
full to the brim. Matthews, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. So another word that is replenish is used for satisfy. Matthew 4, 4 says, And he answered this, um, the scriptures say, Bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly goes forth from God's mouth. So how do we satisfy the earth? How do we replenish the earth? Jesus. Bread alone cannot satisfy. This earth and what we often live for will not satisfy you. Winning the lotto will not satisfy you. Winning the Rugby World Cup will not satisfy you. It is momentarily uh, pleasures. Tomorrow when you go back to work, yes, maybe for the first half of the day it's going to be exciting and it's going to be Rugby World Cup and like, yo, did you see this? Yo, did you see that? Maybe even throughout the whole Monday. Maybe even throughout the whole week. But you know what? I guarantee you, in a month's time, no one is going to talk about the Rugby World Cup. Maybe you are going to, and I'm going to put you on my hit list to pray for you. So if you talk to me about the Rugby World Cup in uh, a month's time, I'm going to put you on my hit list to start praying for you. I'm joking. <laughs> or maybe I'm not. Um, <laughs> bread alone will not satisfy you. The only thing that can bring you true satisfaction is knowing Jesus, growing in knowledge of who He is. John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, this is the account of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. What does that mean? Not be satisfied. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. What does that mean? Be satisfied. And remain satisfied. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. How do we replenish the earth? We give them Jesus. That is to fill. That is to satisfy. That is to complete. Amazing thing we talked about this last week. This picture of the Holy Spirit within. It becomes a fountain. And last week we talked about this. You don't need the fountain if you are the fountain. I know it sounds super profound and mystical and philosophical, but the point is this. If you are the source, you do not need the source. The people who don't have it need it. And so the Holy Spirit in you has become a fountain. We're, being, we're receiving ministry from Him 24-7. We just need to switch on and listen. But who needs the fountain more than you do are the people who are without. The people who have not been filled. The people who have not been brought to completion. Who have not received the replenishing. The promise that we tend to forget about, because there are so many better promises, right? Is the promise that God made from the beginning of time. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. And so again, we're talking about the one race that will be recorded. Not many races, it's one race that will be recorded. Luke 24, 49 says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Comes and fills you, comes and replenishes you. The Father has promised this. When did He promise this? We get there. Acts 13 verse 23. 
And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Again, God's promise. There's a lot of things that we call a promise from God and we cling to that and we become to idolize that and we forget about the one promise. That is the most important thing that you could ever cling to, hold to, build your life on. Why is that? It's a big C word. Carnality. And it's fine. All of us sitting here are carnal. Me included. I'm standing. So I'm also carnal. And Aubrey's also carnal. And Surika's also carnal. But we can't allow our carnality to determine truth. Determine what we value. Determine how we're building our lives. Because if we do... We're setting ourselves up for heartache, for failure, for disappointment. But if we come and align ourselves with the will of God, with the purpose of God, and run the one race that will be recorded, we'll start experiencing fulfillment, joy, and satisfaction that nothing in this earth can give you. Are you clinging to the promise of God and building your life around His promise, His promised Savior? Acts 2.39, for God's promise, say promise. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit. Of what? The Holy Spirit. is for you and for your families. For those yet to be born and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Again, for everyone. From the beginning of time, for everyone. This is God's will for the earth. His promise to be received. Galatians 3, 14 and 16. It gives us again a little bit more of a, a coloring in of where this promise uh, uh, um, was also talked about verse 14 and 16 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so who are we talking about? Abraham Okay, that's Genesis that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith jump down to verse 16 now to Abraham and his seed Early on we read about the seed, the promise to Jacob, right? Now to Abram and his seed were, uh, were the promise made. He says, not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. The promise from the beginning of time was God's spirit to fill the earth. What is the earth? It's not the physical earth, because the Holy Spirit Filling the physical earth is pointless if it's not filling the people of the earth, which is God's prized possession. Right? The earth is a blessing. It's amazing. Who of you enjoys the earth, the nature, the trees, the ocean? It's amazing. The, 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 um, the lambs. Who of you enjoys the lambs? Like looking at them, they're cute out there, but on the fire, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of amazing things in this earth. And we get to enjoy it. But the Holy Spirit just being here, not dwelling in people, is not the point. God wants to fill His people. We have been made to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. That's God's desire. And there's much Holy Spirit to go around. And there's much... Uh, Vacancies, is that the right word? 
when a when a when a room is vacant. I think that's the right word. Yeah. So um, so there's much vacancies, vessels who are empty that needs the infilling of the Holy Spirit, replenishing. And guess what? Who's going to do the filling? Not God. God has done his part. We've been given a ministry to bring that to the people. And when they hear that, guess what? They can respond to it. Because how can they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the gospel specifically, Romans 10, 17. And if they don't hear the gospel, they cannot respond to the gospel. Which is the message of salvation from the beginning of time. To be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And we are part of God's global rescue plan. Tag, you are it. That's why we come to church. To be equipped. To grow in our relationship with God and with one another. And to grow and to be challenged in the word so that we can go out and make a difference in this earth. Galatians 4.28 Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. That's amazing. It's echoed throughout the word. And we've just missed this because of, again, the big C. Carnality. Reading into the Bible what we wanted to say. Versus what is the message of the Bible. Paul said this beautifully. And he said, I made it my goal to forget everything and to know and be acquainted with one thing. Jesus. You will do well to forget everything and come to know one thing. Jesus. And Him crucified. I'm talking about His message. Hebrews 11 verse 39. So Hebrews 11 is often called the, the great wall of faith, so to speak. And um, it closes off this chapter beautifully. And it says, Hebrews, and it's talking about Abraham, and it's talking about David, and it's talking about Moses, and, and Sarah, and all of these great men and women of faith. And it says, all these people, if you go to the first of the chapter, in the beginning of that chapter, all these people, right? Whoever your great year of faith is, all these people earned a good reputation. Amen. We applaud them because of their faith. Yet, none of them, how many of them? None, zero, zilts. None of them received all that God promised. Why could they not receive all that God promised? Because it has not yet been fulfilled. The promise that God made to Abraham, all of these men and women of faith, it has not yet come to completion, fulfillment. Jesus dying, being raised and pouring out the promise. Making it possible for men and women, ordinary like you and me, to become one with God, our Heavenly Father, and receive purpose. Receive a stamp of approval. Qualified. Qualified for purpose. Qualified to run one race that will be recorded. We're coming to a close. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message... Again, this word message is the same word promised, just communicated or translated as message 
in uh, verse 5 here. This then is the message, or this then is the promise, which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now this is a this is amazing. Now, now John, how he wrote, um, this is not John the Baptist, this is uh, John the disciple of Jesus, whom amazingly wrote about himself, John the disciple who Jesus loved. Um, which is an amazing declaration, knowing God's love for you. That should be a testimony of us all. Etienne, the son who God loved. And uh, this is something that we need to grow in, God's love for us. Because growing in God's love for us will lead to so much more fruitfulness than you focusing on your love for God. Can I get amen? Who of you remember the fellow Peter who declared his love to Jesus? Jesus, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Guess what Jesus did? Oh, Peter did. Denied knowing Jesus three times. And so let's not become men and women who do boast about our love for God. Let's boast about His love for us. And not just for us, for the people in this earth. Amen. Because oftentimes we can kind of get stuck on that in an unhealthy manner. But if you stuck on that in a healthy manner, it will lead to your, you having a love for the people around you as well. So let that be a good measuring, uh, measuring rod. But so yeah, John, he writes and he reveals a lot of spiritual truth to us. And his gospel account is very different to the other gospel accounts. And he reveals a lot of spiritual truth to us and talks about the spirit much more than any of the other gospels. And so yeah, he writes and now is his first letter, first John. And he says, this then is the message or this then is the promise which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is amazing verse to meditate on. In him is light and there is no darkness at all. Now light is a picture of life. Darkness is a picture of death. In him is life and no death at all. So if you've ever connected God in the same sentence as death, then you're misrepresenting and misunderstanding who God is. Because John here says, in him is life. And no darkness, no death at all. Now where do we find these? Oftentimes when we, when we read specific words or specific contexts in the Bible, we need to stop and pause and think for ourselves, where have I heard similar words before? Because there's always, with anything mentioned, there's an origin where it's first recorded or it's first communicated. And if we look at the New Testament and the writings of the New Testament, they all, one of the ways that we communicate it, they're all interpreting and writing from the old. Because they only had the scriptures. They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have the book of Romans or the letter of Romans and Ephesians and Philippians. What they penned down Life, so to speak, was done through interpretation of the scriptures and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amazing uh, way that Pastor Isaac communicated this, and this really blessed me, is if you're receiving a, a lecture, for example, let's, talk, uh, let's use uh, geography, for example. We're talking about clouds and the systems and things like that. And I'm using a textbook to teach you from, right? 
Okay. Now I'm teaching you uh, geography and we're talking about uh, weather systems and uh, all of these things and you're making notes. Because good students make notes, right? And all of the good uh, disciples said, Amen, yes. Um, so good students make notes, not just in, in, in classroom settings, but also in church and, in, and uh, growing in our relationship with God. So please uh, learn to be, become a student of the Word because that is really what facilitates growth. Um, and so you are making notes. I'm teaching geography, teaching uh, weather, and I'm teaching from a textbook. I'm not just teaching from... What I think, oh, that cloud, like, and then we start prophetically talking about the pictures of clouds and things. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm talking about. So I'm using a textbook, you're making notes, and then afterwards, someone says, like, oh, man, I forgot to make notes. Can you show me your notes? Like, and then they look at your notes, and they're like, like I, I see that, but like something here doesn't make sense. And you don't have the, the, the opportunity to ask them questions, but guess what you do have? A textbook. So in order to understand their notes and get understanding, where do you go? To the textbook. And then you look at them against one another. The New Testament letters are notes that the apostles made for us and communicated to us. And there's revelation captured in there. If we do not understand something there, we need to go to the textbook to get understanding, to grow like this doesn't make sense. What did they mean in light of the scriptures? What were they trying to communicate in light of the scriptures? So now John is using the textbook for us and he, he's writing about that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And this takes a full circle back to Genesis. What does God say in the first few verses? In the beginning, there was... Darkness, void, nothingness. And then he spoke light, life. What is the earth? Void. What are people in the earth without Christ? Void, empty, full of darkness. They need Jesus. They need to be filled with light. How are they going to be filled with light? By us speaking. God spoke and it happened. Are you speaking? Are you sharing? Are you communicating the life and the love of Christ to people? We have the power and the authority to take people from darkness into light. Translate them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Recorded in Colossians, I believe. And so we need to understand that all of this is continually echoed through the letters for us. God's promise, God's will for us. And the one race that will be recorded, which is a race of translating people from the kingdom of darkness into light. And that happens to do the communication and the sharing of the gospel. Coming to close, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Is this blessing someone? I'm being blessed, so if you're not being blessed, then uh, I'll enjoy my party on my own. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And I get that um, some of these things are maybe things that you need to go and think about, go and investigate. And that's why we encourage, make notes, ask questions, um, consider, what does this mean? What's the implication of this? Um, 
and further investigate. Second Corinthians one twenty from the Passion Translation. For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Him. And as His yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring Him glory. Now again, you can easily take this one verse and forget everything that I've said and communicated up till now and glorify the big C. Carnal. Carnality. And it could be like... For all of God's promises find a yes of fulfillment in Him and His yes and my amen ascend to God to bring Him glory. So thank you, Jesus, that you've promised us to be the head and not the tail. And so when we go to this rugby match, we are going to win, we are going to reign victorious, and we will not fail. Amen. <laughs> Shame, man. Poor New Zealand. They obviously didn't pray hard enough. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, but they're not Christian and this and that and the next thing. Do you know, really? Are we able to judge? We are not called to be judged. We're not called to judge people's hearts. But the point is this, that this scripture is not applicable to winning rugby matches, to naming and claiming the things that our carnal selves want. For all of God's promises from the beginning of time, I found the yes of fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus brought the promise to reality by dying and being raised from the dead. And now all we need to do is agree with that, receive that. And that brings God, that brings God much glory. Because that is His will, that is His desire. And like any parent, any loving parent, when their children believe that they are good and they receive their love, as pure, as perfect, it blesses the parent. And so God as our Father, this is His will, this is His desire, and this is the, the one thing that brings Him much glory, is us receiving His promise, His blessing of Jesus. And then we get all automatically qualified and then invited to be partakers, co-laborers with Him to make this a reality in all the earth, to multiply to fall, to replenish. In closing, last passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 29 to 32, and then we'll jump down to 37. We're looking at the, the first race that is recorded for us after Pentecost, after the outpouring of God's Spirit, of His promise. Acts 2, 29 to 30, and then jump down. My fellow Jews, this is Peter standing up, and this is the same guy who denied knowing Jesus three times. And then he's got a change of tune, so to speak. He had a tune-up. Um, where's Enku? Enku would appreciate that. He had a tune-up. Um, my fellow Jews, I can tell you there's no doubt that our noted patriarchs had both died and been buried in uh, his tomb, which remains to this day. So you can see that he was not referring to himself with those words. But as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with God's unbreakable oath that one of his descendants would take his throne. So when peering into the future, David prophesied of the Messiah's resurrection. And God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. Can't you see it? God has resurrected Jesus, and we all have seen him. 
And then verse 37, when they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? And this wasn't a question of like, okay, cool, like, uh, what does this mean? Like naturally, what do we need to do? It's a question of how do we respond to this message? And the response is, yes, Lord. That's faith in Christ. Faith in Jesus is the response that God desires. And so here the, the message that I want to leave us with and in closing is years recorded, the first account, the first message communicated after receiving the promised Holy Spirit. And it's again glorifying Jesus. Talking about the promise of God that was made from the beginning of time. Jesus coming to die for us, but Him being raised to life, overcoming death, so that we would, even if we die, we would remain alive. Amen. That's such a blessing. That's such an amazing promise from God that even if we die, we still live. Even if we die, we still live. And we will be reunited with those who've gone before us and who've passed away and experienced everlasting habitation with them. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.